0: Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. My friends, today is the same day on every year. We have the day where we hear the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector. But to fully understand the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector, we need to look at the parable just before it, because our Lord Jesus Christ is using successive parables. To get across a point that is for very much the healing of our souls. To know how to come before Christ our healer. Receive his healing touch and his mercy. Because I tell you today that the parable just before this same parable. In the gospel of St. Luke in chapter 18. It presents God's posture, God's nature toward us. It also presents his longing for us to come to him persistently to come to him persistently with the griefs of our soul the illness of our soul the damage within our soul and our broken consciences that come from the sins that the illness within creates it is our God reaching out to us and saying come to me and don't stop coming to me with these things And that lays the foundation for the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector. Because then God is going to teach us not just to come and come persistently, but how to come when we come. And both are so vitally important to know how to walk and live in this dance of relationship with our Lord Jesus Christ. That we've all been granted by the Holy Spirit for our salvation. So first we look at what is known as the parable of the persistent widow. And the gospel writer starts out by saying, Then Jesus spoke a parable to them that all men ought to pray and never lose heart. And then Jesus gives the parable. He says that there is a judge in a particular city. And this judge did not fear God. And the judge had no regard for man, didn't care much for man. And there was a widow who was under the oppression of an adversary. And this widow comes to the judge and she begs and implores him, get justice for me. Relieve me from my adversary. And for a while we're told that the judge did absolutely nothing for this woman. But she kept coming. And Jesus says, after a while the judge says, though I do not fear God and though I don't have much regard for man, yet because this widow will not stop coming to me, pleading for justice and mercy, I will avenge her. I will overcome her adversary. And Jesus concludes that parable by saying, if this unjust judge, who doesn't fear God nor care for man, if this unjust judge will overcome her adversary, how much more will God speedily come to your assistance for those who persistently come to Him and pray without St. Cyril of Alexandria puts it this way. The present parable assures us that God will bend His ear. He will hear us. He will bend His ear to those who offer Him their prayers, not carelessly nor negligently, but with earnestness and with constancy. That's that spirit of banging against the doors of heaven, not leaving the very throne of mercy, Until we've been with God. This is what's being encouraged in this parable. That we see ourselves clearly. And that we go before the Lord who is our righteous judge. And go before Him without ceasing with all of our dysfunctions. Our Lord welcomes it, And He gives us this parable to communicate two things. God wants you to come to Him like this. He welcomes you in all of your dysfunctions. In all of your ugliness, He calls you to come to Him persistently. And the second point that our Lord is making by that first parable is this. You need to come to Him. He's put Himself in a position of being there for you to come to Him and be your healer. So come to Him persistently because you have a need. And only and that need can only be met by Him so our Lord Jesus Christ tells the parable of the persistent widow, widow, setting the stage for now what we go into, the parable of the Pharisee, the tax collector, now that we know we need to come to him, and now that we know he welcomes us to come to him persistently, now he begins to tell us how to come to him. What is the spirit in which we avail ourselves to the healing work? He tells the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector. We've heard this many times, but we remember it this morning. And the writer of St. Luke, he prefaces the parable by saying, And Jesus spoke this parable to some who trusted in their righteousness, trusted in themselves, and despised others. He said two men went to the temple to pray. One a Pharisee, a Pharisee, a man respected of the people, a spiritual leader of the Hebrew people of the day. He comes before God in the temple. Another man comes before God, a tax collector. The exact opposite in the way that the people viewed them, the exact opposite of the Pharisee. One who was absolutely despised of the people. Not even considered human by the people because he robbed the people of God. He collected the taxes appropriately of Caesar, but then he collected more of it and lined his own pockets from God's own people. And worse, he was one of God's own people. So a Pharisee well respected and a tax collector very despised come before God. And we're told that the Pharisee stood up among the people. You can almost see him sticking his chest out the way our Lord describes it. And he says, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, the unjust, adulterers, and even this tax collector here. And he begins to boast on all of his works of righteousness that he does in front of the people, very much to be heard by the people, so they turn their eye to him and offer him respect. We see a very different thing in the posture of the tax collector before God. Because we're told that the tax collector, standing afar off from the people, distancing himself, he would not even raise his eyes to heaven, but he beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. The very prayer, by the way, from which it's this parable that we get the most foundational prayer of the Christian life, the Jesus prayer. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of the living God, have mercy on me, a sinner, comes from the disposition of the tax collector. The tax collector's posture teaches us everything. He comes to God, he approaches God with an authentic humility. Nothing falls in him. He knows himself well. And he grieves over what he knows about himself. And so he presents himself to God with an earnest and authentic humility. And we see this in a number of ways. For one, he stood afar off from the rest of God's people. So opposite the Pharisee that stood right in their midst to be seen, to be heard, to be respected, so that all could hear him and witness him. Not the tax collector. Stood afar off from the people. He did not count himself worthy to stand amongst God's people. He demonstrated the humility that we actually pray to become in every divine liturgy. Just before we receive the Lord Jesus Christ into ourselves, we pray this prayer. I believe, O Lord, and I confess that Thou art the Christ. The son of the living God, who didst come into the world to save sinners, of whom I am what? Of whom I am chief. I am the most in need of mercy, is what we're saying. And so is the tax collector by standing afar off. I am the most in need of mercy. I am the least of my brethren. And I need the divine healing work and forgiveness of God to cover my sins. That's what we pray and that's the disposition of the tax collector. And all my friends, if we would live out that prayer that we pray and live out the posture of the tax collector saying, I am the least of all of my brothers and sisters. There would never be divisions in the church. And how in the world could we be offended with such a humble heart? The disposition of the tax collector keeps the love and the unity in the body of Christ as well as heals the soul of the one coming in humility. And this is his authentic, real behavior before God. There was no pretense in this man. He knew only to throw himself absolutely on the mercy of God because he knew without the mercy of God he was a dead man inside and for all eternity. And now we look at his prayer. We saw his posture, this authentic humility. Now let's look at his prayer. God, be merciful to me. There are two parts of this prayer, the call for mercy, the cry for mercy, which we emulate once again as soon as we come into this place. Because the first thing we do is the curate. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy on me, on us. And when he prays, Lord, have mercy, understand the prayer of mercy is this, Lord, cover me because I am stained. Cover me. Give me that which I could never earn or deserve. Forgive the sins of a sinner. And I have nothing to offer to warrant that forgiveness. I throw myself before you and your mercy. Have mercy, O Lord. That's the first part of the prayer. then the second part of the prayer is what he labels himself, and he rightly does so. Have mercy on me, a what? A sinner. Now, I want you to get far beyond the idea of a sinner or labeling ourselves a sinner as simply being one who commits sin. Okay, we get that. It's true. But the word sinner that our Lord uses that the gospel writer gives us is much more than in fact, it's one of those blessed words that has two meanings in one and they both tell you and point you to the truth. The first meaning is this. He calls himself a sinner, meaning I am stained with vices within. I have stained the purity with which you gave me a baptism. Or I have stained the created image and likeness of God that you created Adam with in the garden You see, I am stained. I need cleansing. I need to be made beautiful and right again. That's someone declaring themselves a sinner. And there's another aspect of labeling oneself, considering oneself a sinner, and I love this. One who has just not yet been released from those sins and stained. Yes, God has forgiven me. And yes, in my spiritual journey with Christ all of these years, He has cleansed me and He's put away so many sins. But there's not a day I don't walk the earth that I don't have some sense of stain still within me that produces the actions of sin that burden my conscience. So I am always in a position of being in need of being released from the bondage that sin is within me. I need to be freed from those shackles at all times. Every day. And so this blessed sinner, the tax collector, what he's really praying is this. In that simple prayer, God have mercy on me a sinner. He's saying, God, cover these things. Show me mercy, something I can't again earn or deserve. I have yet to be released from the shackles that are still in me. And you are the only one who can do this. I lay myself down to you. Come and heal this broken person. That is the posture of the beloved and every beloved Christian who walks step by step in fellowship with God all of their days by the leading of the Holy Spirit. And then Jesus said, after he told that parable, he said, I tell you that this man, this humble man crying out for mercy and declaring himself in need of me, this humble man is the one that went home justified, not the Pharisee. And when Jesus said this man went home justified, it means precisely this. He went home having experienced what he could never earn or deserve. The mercy of God flooded over him, and he was now made in right standing with his creator. And the healing touch of God was upon him. And in that instance, he was made more like the created self he was truly created to be. Back in creation and now through the waters of baptism. By the reinvigoring life of the Holy Spirit within him. You see. This is what Jesus is saying. And so it will be with us. And then Jesus says. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled but he who humbles himself will be exalted. And when Jesus says that we'll be exalted, it has nothing to do with anything in this world, nothing tangible in this world. When Jesus said, he who humbles himself will be exalted, that means the one who is humble, our Lord will stretch down into the lowness of their condition. And he will take that hand and he will bring that person up, restoring his created condition. He will be exalted to his true self, the likeness and image of God. My friends, in this parable, our Lord gives this great dichotomy, this great contrast between a Pharisee of great arrogance who stands before people, doesn't even acknowledge that he needs God. He has no need of mercy because he's so blessed and righteous with all of his actions. And then we have this tax collector, the exact opposite, but I tell you the truth that there's a third image we should consider that we fall into from time to time, and that's the image of our indifference, the one who doesn't come before God at all. Yet we may show up at church, but the one that doesn't allow the work of the Holy Spirit to illuminate in them their stains. The things within them that are truly killing them. The things that are in them that are truly denying the blessed peace and all the benefits of the kingdom of God. And the very experience of the living God in their lives. Because they don't want to look into themselves. They're afraid to look into themselves. Which means we're even denying the very nature of Christ. When He say in the first parable, that's the one I want to come to me persistently. The one who's broken the one who's dysfunctional, in the deepest parts of their sin. I want them to come to me. But so many times we do not give the Holy Spirit the ability to do His very blessed job and work of salvation in our lives. We deny Him the inspection of ourselves so that we may be illumined to see ourselves the way that God sees us. The Pharisee and the indifferent are in danger of something. No healing. And our salvation is not a ticket to eternity. Our salvation is an eternity beginning with our baptism of being made whole again. That means being healed. The life of a Christian is this. One who allows the Holy Spirit to show them the stains and grieves because God grieves over them. With the grief of God, we grieve over our deficiencies and our failures and our lack of and our brokenness. But the loving kindness of God draws that to himself just as he shows it to us. And now we come with the blessed disposition of the tax collector and we cry out to Jesus' prayer before our Lord. And I tell you that when you do, you are in the presence of the one who is your healer. And when we come with that blessed disposition and that blessed right and holy prayer, you will find mercy. You will find the healing touch of God, and you will know the joy of your salvation. That is Christianity. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Amen.